Well, hey, this is Joey Furjanic, lead pastor of the Block Church. I want to thank you for joining us today. It's an honor to share this time together with you. We hope this message will touch, impact, and transform your life and help take us one step further on our journey to revive every block. Well, what's up, everybody? How we doing today? Are you happy to be in the house of God? This is how you know you're, you're really going to heaven when you come to church the week after Easter. So if you're in the house, special mansion in glory just for you. I want to welcome all of our locations and those who are online who might be minimizing their mansion. Just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. It's great to be in the house of God today. We're beginning a brand new series today called How to Get Close to God. And it's going to be a great seven weeks, a great seven weeks. And uh, by the way, um, I don't know if I introduced myself. So if you're confused, my name is Joey and uh, I'm the circus leader here and also the lead pastor. Interchangeable, Uh, but uh, excited about what God's going to do in our lives over the next seven weeks. I believe if you really commit yourself to hearing these words and applying the words, being in the house of God the best you can, uh, before the, especially before the summer begins, I believe you're going to have the greatest summer of your life. And I believe you're going to draw closer to Jesus, which will impact every area of your life. Now, before I preach God's word, uh, I I did say that I wanted to begin to show you a a little bit of what we're pursuing in our broadcast facility. So this is going to be something we'll reveal over weeks and months uh, of the kinds of things that we're doing. But today, I just want to show you the beginning, the beginning of that. So the the first image I want to show you uh, is uh, basically the layout of the facility we're in contract with. Okay, so the layout of the facility, uh, as you can see right now, uh, you'll see the original facility. And this is Cottage Green, 9001 Ashton Road, 19136. You'll see that. And then you'll see an addition uh, of about almost 6,000 square feet on the front of the property. So if you've been to Cottage Green, you know that doesn't exist. This is what we have to do so that we can build a 500 seat auditorium. uh, And so that we can uh, do church the way we know we need to do church. Uh, this is imperative uh, that we do this uh, for the future of our body. There are other things I'll show you later, like our wedding venue that will be there and kids ministry and lobby and all that stuff. But today, uh, what I want to show you is just basically a, a beginning shot of what an exterior might look like. Now, you'll see some colors we won't use. You'll see a design we won't use. Uh, that uh, That's just to show you where colors and design will be. Does everybody understand that? Okay, so we, we needed it to pop to show you. So uh, so anyway, that said, here, let me show you a little bit of what of an exterior, one part of an exterior will, will look like, okay? So that's a little bit of what an exterior of, of the facility will look like. Uh, and uh, there'll be some green space and some sidewalk space. And uh, that'll be the outside portion of what this auditorium will look like. It, it will pop. You'll see it from the streets. Uh, it will be amazing, all right? So continue, church, please continue to pray. Uh, We are supposed to close June 1st, which means we'd have keys in our hands June 1st. 
but again, there's a lot of factors still in this due diligence period that anything can happen. So I want to caution you, but we've got to pray for complete clarity uh, uh, in, in our pursuit of, of moving forward and finishing all this. Everybody understand that? So Jesus help us. Amen. Amen. All right. Um, all right. So here we go. Uh, how to get close to God week one. And I was thinking about uh, something that kind of uh, made me connect it all together. And we, my wife and I, we were in Walmart the other day. Been a long time. Been a long time. And uh, Walmart gets a bad rap. Uh, for, for a reason. Um, but there are some good things. For, for instance, my wife, this is the first time this ever happened. She found a chair for $5. Not that it's the first time she's ever found a chair, but something so economical. It was miraculous. And, uh, but, but Walmart has a bad rap because people just kind of come as they are. You know, I mean, uh, I, I, there's a, have you ever seen people of Walmart? Okay, highly inappropriate. I took some clean images from this, like this gal who just took a shower and then she came. <laughs> just as she is. Uh, there's another image of, um, of a father and my, there's my son. Guess he has a stepdad I didn't know about. Just kidding, too far. And then, and then this is my favorite one. Uh, anything's possible, you can get married. And Walmart. So, but guess what? They didn't go into debt for their wedding. God bless them. Amen. So, please, please don't look up people of Walmart um, because it might it, it might uh, cause you to stumble. Okay, it's a bad it's a bad sight. But anyway, I thought there were some clean images. But you know, something about Walmart that's kind of uh, I guess kind of uh, encouraging is uh, you can't shop and you can't find deals, and you can't do that unless you go in. It's right. Unless, and, and unless you cross those sensors, all right, you're without all the glorious experiences of Walmart. But, but it did kind of make me think, like, man, anybody can go to Walmart. I mean, it doesn't matter uh, if you are rich or poor, black or white, you know, short or tall. It doesn't matter. Like you can come as you are at Walmart. Amen. You'll think about that the next time you go. And, and, and I, was, I was thinking to myself, like, honestly, we really put God in a box. And we, and we really kind of have this idea that, that we have to be cleaned up, right? that we have to have some sort of pretension, that we have to, I don't know, like have a certain amount or, or, or a certain disposition or a certain attitude to experience or draw near to God. And the thing is, is God doesn't discriminate. If you want God, you can have him. If you want to be close to God, you can be close to God. If you want to be closer to God, you can be closer to God. It doesn't matter how you lived all your life. It doesn't matter what you did last night. 
It doesn't matter. God's not discriminating. He's saying, you want me? Come in. It's for anyone. It is for anyone. And the lie the enemy will tell you is that it's not for you, it's for somebody else. And that's a lie from the pit of hell. And I rebuke that today in Jesus' name. And I declare over you that getting close to God is for you. It's for anyone. And that's the title of this first message today. It's for anyone. Smile at somebody next to you. Tell them it's for anybody. Walmart's for anybody. So, um, you know, we just finished a a, a series on the words of Jesus. We did 12 weeks POV. Wasn't that awesome? And I think I'm actually going to circle back to POV at some point and do some of the stories and words of Jesus I've missed. But um, I I was going to like try to get away a little bit, maybe like find some of the Old Testament or or like take a different path. But like this week, I'm like, man, the words of Jesus are so perfect Uh, for this message. And so here we are back at Jesus' words. Amen. And and I'm going to go John chapter six. And before I read a little context here, uh, Jesus has just performed the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. The people have heard it and are chasing him down for actual food. So I've, we've obviously preached the feeding of the 5,000 and you've heard it a million different ways, but, but I saw this this week differently. And in verse 35, okay, they've already eaten. They're chasing Jesus. Give us real food. Give us real food. And Jesus replies, I am the bread of life. Whoever, somebody say whoever. Whoever, whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. They want real food. And Jesus, of course, responds to not just perplex them, but to get into their intellect. Uh, Please, friends, understand something about Christianity. Christianity is a full composition of all of your senses. It's a touch, feel, think, taste, smell sort of thing. What I mean is, is, is some believers are, are all feelings and all heart. And so they show up at revivals and events so that they can get a touch from God and hopefully that changes things. But until you take your experience and involve your intellect, uh, you will then just get caught up in the next wave of emotions or what sounds good. And so the, the journey of, with Jesus is absolutely an emotional thing, but it is also an intellectual thing. You got to think about it. And Jesus is like, yes, I fed you bread, but it's not just that. I want you to think about this. You, got, you need your soul to be full. And therefore, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will be full. Whoever drinks of me will never be thirsty. Think about it. You're chasing everything. And food only satisfies you for a moment. Sex only satisfies you for a moment. Drug only relieves you for a moment. Wealth, opportunity, increase, promotion. 
it, it, it satisfies us for a moment, but it leaves us wanting more. What I'm trying to show you here, Jesus says, is I'm everything. And when you partner those things, not the drugs, when you partner those things with me, it becomes sustainable satisfaction because I am at the center. Jesus, of course, is echoing what he says in John 4 to the woman at the well. Basically, here's this woman that's going, hey, I, 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 I'm here. And he's like, hey, you got five husbands. You're living with another one, with a six. And he's like, hey, give me some water. They're having this interchange of discussion. And he's like, hey, drink of me. I'll give you living water. You never have to come back here. But the whole thing Jesus is, is, is showing us here is, is, is you're searching for something different than I'm giving. And if you begin to search for me, you'll finally get what you need and you'll stop searching for everything else. There are two things that Charles Spurgeon says, great theologian, about coming to the Lord, about coming to Jesus that I think are pertinent. He says this, the coming here in this passage is performed by desire, prayer, assent, consent, trust, and obedience. So I, I do wanna say, and I do want to lay this caveat out that while Jesus and coming to him and getting close to him is for anyone, please understand something, friends, that when we come to Jesus just as we are, there is then a process of repentance and a process of, I, I cannot stay the same because as I get near to him, he is not just my cheerleader. He's not just my convictor which he's those things, but he also is my empower that I can go and live greater. He also, Charles Spurgeon says this, that faith in Christ is simply and truly described as coming to him. It's not an acrobatic feat. It's simply a coming to Christ. It is not an exercise of profound mental faculties, although important to think. It is coming to Christ. A child comes to his mother. A blind man comes to his home. Even an animal comes to his master. Coming is a very simple action indeed. It seems to have only two things about it. One is to come away with something and the other is to come to something. So when we begin to strip away all the things that keep us from God, and if we can just get in our mind that all I got to do is come, I don't got to clean up and fix it all. I got to come. And if I keep coming, he'll do the cleaning. He'll keep doing the cleaning. What I love about the consistent narrative of Jesus is that people who just met him come to him. And they are immediately received. Some instances where Jesus comes to them, right? The woman of the issue of blood, he's in her uh, vicinity and then she goes and touches him. Zacchaeus, he's moving, but Zacchaeus puts himself in position. The calling of the disciples, Jesus goes to them. The people possessed by demons, he goes to them and delivers them. The paralytic being lowered uh, in, the, in the roof, right? I mean, to Jesus and Jesus heals him and on and on and on. But my favorite is the thief on the cross. The, the thief who is there and lived his whole life as a wretched sinner, but in the final moment, goes, I believe. And Jesus says, that's all it took, man. Yeah. 
today you'll be with me in paradise. What I'm saying is, is friend, today you can get close to God. Today, right now. Jesus says, whoever. And when he says whoever, he literally means whoever. John 3, 16 through 17, you know this. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. So again, to reiterate, you want to get close to God, you got to come. And his arms are open wide. Now verse 36 Verse 36 says, but you haven't believed in me even though you have seen me. Okay, this is the X factor, by the way, for getting close to God. See, the, the people literally saw miracles in front of their eyes but couldn't wrap their minds around Jesus as the Messiah for them. In other words, maybe for somebody else, was Jesus a magician? Was he a prophet? Was he a rich guy? Did he have extra that day? Were they once in a million in the right place at the right time? And so what they do is they pursue another trick. But again, Jesus' response is, is you've got to believe I'm bigger than some sort of momentary supply. That's part of what I do. It's part of what I do. But I want to supply for your soul. And, and what, what, what's happening here is, is the people really actually don't believe he's Messiah for them. So what they're doing is they're trying to get something before he goes, before he disappears, before his next trick is for somebody else. And again, what I'm saying is... Is Jesus is going, hey, you're seeing the miracles, but you still don't believe. Meaning the miracles aren't enough for you. And I want you to know something, friends, because this is what happens to so many of us. Is God provides, but it was yesterday and we're quick to forget it's him. And once we get what we want from God, we move on. We throw him out. And so we don't really stay or ever get close to God because honestly, God is just our magician and hopefully he hooks me up for this moment. If not, I'll just find somebody or something else to give me what I need. And, and so, so Jesus is like, you really don't believe that I am the deliverer and the saver of the soul. I'm Messiah. I'm going to satisfy you. They, they don't believe in... in, in I just want to say for you that being close to God is not just for the disciples. It's not just for the pastor. It's not just for my block group leader. It's not just for my coordinator. It's not just for an elder of this church. Being close to God is for anyone who believes. Some of you are like, I could never read my Bible consistently or understand it. You don't believe that you could, which is why you don't. I can never worship like that or lift my hands or be that excited. You can, you just don't believe. Yeah. 
I could never give money like those people they talked about today. I could never do that. It's too tight. No, you can. You just don't believe. I've never, I'll never really be blessed like others. I'll, I'll never really, I'll never really walk in God's favor. I'll never see mountains move. As for somebody else, no, you can. You just got to believe. I can never live a lifestyle free of sin. I can never live holy and pure and righteous. And I can never marry the person that I've been sleeping with. No, you can. Just don't really believe. Oh, oh, I'll never this. I'll, I'll never that. I'll, I'll never break the cycles of generational sin. No, you can. Just don't believe yet. So we come to church and we're just trying to get bread. And, and what I'm telling you is, 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 is Jesus is so much more than a meal. He's a life. And if I can be vulnerable with you for a moment, I love when I say that because basically every week I'm vulnerable with you, but it's just a, it's just a preacher trick. If I can be vulnerable. Yeah, I am. I'm sharing my life with you. This is hard. Okay. One of the greatest hindrances in my personal journey with God is questioning my level of importance to him. Some days I feel like God's stepchild. You know, that's the best way I can say it. Some stepchildren are treated right. Okay. I just was using that as an example. <laughs> like, I'll be like, God, why don't I have what the next guy has? Do you love me as much as the pastor down the street? It's arrogant and it's sin because sometimes I think I've paid a higher price than the guy next door. And I probably have. But that's really not what God's looking for. It doesn't matter, actually. Like, who am I doing it for? And... Um, I just want to say that our, our worth and my worth, it, it can't be based on level of blessing or stuff I get or the size of our ministry or wealth alone or, or health alone or follower count or, or other things that naturally drive us. I mean, just think about how unblessed the disciples probably felt. Well, let me say it like this. Just think of how unblessed the disciples would feel if they lived in 2023. They were unpopular. They were beaten, tortured, and killed for their faith. Okay? They often didn't have a lot. They often didn't have much. They spent a lot of time in jail. Okay? Uh, they seemed to really never have fully what they needed except the power of God. Which maybe that's what we all really need all along. And I'm saying this to you so that I can confess before you and, and, and keep it in front of you and be vulnerable with you that, that I struggle believing. I do. I'm like, God, do you love me as much as the next guy? Have you been there? You're, you're sitting in your sickness going, God, do you, do you, do you love me as, as much as the person who got healed? 
Uh, God, do you, do, you, do you love me as much as the person that got the house? Do you love me as, as much as the person who has the perfect marriage? Or, or do you love me? And so, and so like the thing is, is yes, blessing follows the right things and the right feelings often, often follow the right actions and all these different things. But, but sometimes we are left a little bit in the middle because our motives are wrong and our relief is off. And if I base my beliefs only on the bread that the people came for, I'll never taste the bread of life. I'll never drink of the living water. Where he's enough in sickness. He's enough in pain. He's enough in my struggle. He's enough in, in his time. He will deliver. Should write this down that comparison is the chief thief in getting close to God. Did you hear me? Comparison is the chief thief in getting close to God. And God forgive me for living my life online, comparing our ministry and the things we have with other people. Two scriptures we must apply if we want to get close to God. Faith, Hebrews 11.1. 1. And it's impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Even if that belief is just a little flickering flame, muster it up and come. Second scripture I see is humility, James 4.6. And he gives grace great generously. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Faith, humility, come, come and see he's everything he promised. Verse 37, Jesus says, however, those the father has given me will come to me and I will never reject them. The, the language here, the, the meaning of I will never reject or drive away is Jesus referring to a person in deep distress and poverty who comes to a noble man's or a wealthy man's house in order to get relief. The person appears and the owner, far from treating the man with frustration or disgust, receives him kindly and supplies his wants and needs. Jesus does this. You want me? I'm for anyone. You are wretched, dirty in your sin? Come to me. You are poor in life? Come to me. You're a wicked, wealthy person who's selfish and angry? Come to me. You are selfish and self-consumed? Uh, you're a fornicator, an adulterer? Come to me. Come to me. I'll see your sin and I'll raise you grace and I'll change everything. So what moves the heart of God? Well, besides humility and faith, it's an attitude of desperation. This is exactly what Jesus means. I I'm looking for desperate people where I'm both the first and the last resort. And truthfully, desperation, friends, is misunderstood. 
It's the sum total of a humble and faith-filled person. Desperation is recognizing that without God, I'm nothing. Amen. If God doesn't intervene, my efforts or my circumstances won't change and my efforts are for nothing and it won't work. I love God and I want to be with him to have his voice over anything else. I'll do anything God asks of me, even if it's difficult and it breaks my heart because obedience is my aim to behold him. I have no agenda but to be near to the Lord. And this often plays out in worship and in prayer. Faith plus humility equals desperation and desperation leads to access. Access to God. Access is defined permission, ability to enter, able to approach or to pass through. What I say, you can't get your groceries and you can't get your $5 chair and you can't get your deal and you pass through the Walmart sensors. But you can't have God unless you go. But what God's looking for is a little bit of a humble heart and, and maybe just some faith, and which will turn into some desperation. Okay, God, I, I need you. And honestly, I need you more than food, which gives you the access to be close to God. Jesus says, for I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. The thing is, is, is there were a lot of prophets and, prophets and magicians and religious leaders that, that they had an agenda. They wanted more power. But Jesus says, I have come to do the will of my father who sent me. Yeah. Do, do you want to know why Jesus looked at people with love and compassion? Besides the fact that he was their creator. For God so loved the world, he sent his son, right? That whoever believes in him won't die, but have eternal life. And for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might have eternal life, right? All, all this stuff. Do you want to know why, why Jesus didn't see the same people doing the same stupid things and go, strike them, kill them. I hate them. You know how many times a day sometimes, not, not, you know, not Easter week, but other days I'm like, I hate everybody. Kill them, God. You know? I'm just kidding. I never prayed that over you. It was, it was another church. Just kidding. But it's like, do you know why Jesus never did any of that? Because not, he was there. He was not there to do the will of his flesh, even though he had it. He was there to do the will of God. And so Jesus is and was a safe place. I'm telling you guys, for those of you who are still skeptics and wondering, oh man, there's other ways to God. There's other paths to God. I can just meditate and I can do some crystals and some sage and some this and that. And I, I can try some palm readers and some all these different things. And we got all these different ways. But like Jesus is the only safe place, the only one willing to deny himself and die to himself and say, I came to do the will of the creator. I am the door to him because it really is all about him. And Jesus is safe. He's life. He's hope. It, it's, the only, it's the only unifying force in the cosmos that provides great unity as an example for us to live together in harmony. 
God holds it all together. And he says, the door's through his son. So what is the will of God as I close? And this is the will of God that I should not lose even one of all those he has given me, but that I should raise them up at the last day. For it is my father's will that all who see his son and believe in him should have eternal life. I'll raise them up at the last day. Friends, so many times we come to God to try to impress God. We come to God like we're going to a job interview. But God doesn't want your resume. He wants your heart. He wants your belief. C.S. Lewis said it like this. God doesn't want something from us. He simply wants us. He wants our hearts open, our hands raised. We may not know what to say or even what to do, but he just says, if you come to me, I'll meet you. I love Psalm 51, 17. It says, the sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit, humility. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. This is David in his deepest sin. Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. What I'm saying is come to him broken. Come to him in pain. Come to him with all your imperfections. Come to him with all your troubles. Come to him with all your past failures. Come to him just as you are. But what about the other side of the coin? And I'm, I'm, I'm closing, but, but what if you got it together? What if you're strong? What if you're able? What if you're successful? What if you kind of been living right? Or you got too much pride to see that you're living wrong. Psalm 34, one to, two, one to two, I will praise the Lord at all times. I will constantly speak his praises. I will boast only in the Lord. Like at all times I'm coming to you, good or bad, hell or high water, I'm, I'm with you, I'm praising you. All right, I gotta stop preaching. But I'm gonna tell you a horrible story for a second. Can I have another minute? Last week, um, Lauren and I both found ticks on our bodies. So that's that. <laughs> Naturally, we were freaked and, and a frantic. Like we are the opposite of camping people. Okay, just so you know, like, like, like uh, yeah, that's it. I have no use if anything happens. Okay, just all I can do is take this microphone. So hopefully they have a microphone in the apocalypse, but I digress. So of course we're checking the kids, we're checking the dog, you know. And when Lauren got to Maverick, she stripped him down. And, and, and she's like, I gotta check, make sure you got no ticks. And he's like, this is embarrassing, mom. And she says, embarrassing, what? I'm your mother and you're five. And she said, son, unless I strip you down, I cannot check if you're gonna be good. You know, we do this with God, right? See, God cannot heal what we don't reveal. What we do not come to the Lord exposed and naked and saying, okay, God, all of me, remove it. I, I'm bare. I'm not hiding. You can have me until we believe with that kind of faith that he is our faithful and loving and gentle father who has the best for us. We will receive the benefits of God. And right now I just want to pray and declare over this
to you today that anything is possible if you believe. That God loves you deeply, you gotta believe it. That Jesus died for you, you gotta believe it. You can live today and not die, do you believe it? You can live a blessed life today, do you believe it? You can get into God's presence today. You can have hope and a future. This is not the end for you in Jesus' name. There's more for you than you could ask, think, or imagine. Healing is possible. Freedom is possible. Purity is possible. Righteousness is possible. Anything is possible. Do you believe it today? Because here's what I know. If you want to be close to God, you can. Because it's for anybody. Thanks so much for joining us today. I especially want to thank those of you who give generously to help us revive every block. If you enjoyed this message, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, screenshot it, and post your social stories and tag us at The Block Church. We'd love to hear from you and how you found this encouraging and inspiring. Thanks again, and God bless you.